Hello everyone. Um, this is an interview with Charlotte, aka Molto Populare from Twitter. Um, she's a horticultural specialist in Australia, and uh, this interview was recorded on the. Um, when was it again? Yeah, um, the thirteenth of December, twenty twenty, and I really hope you enjoyed the interview. Welcome to um, the show. Um, do you want to introduce yourself and, like, yeah, like just say a bit about what you're doing right now? Hi, um, thank you so much for having me on. My name's Charlotte. I am Malto on Twitter, um, and I'm a horticulture student in Melbourne. And I'm just learning about insects and pests and stuff at the moment. And I'm very excited to come here and have a little chat about the bugs in our gardens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. No, thanks so much for agreeing to come on. Like, I've also been like pretty excited about this as well. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah. this is a this is a ladybug based podcast. Yeah, that's amazing. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so what do you want to talk about first? Yeah. So I wanted to ask you first of all, like, how did you actually get into um, like studying horticulture um like what what kind of like kind of have you is this something you've always been kind of passionate about or have you just kind of like recently got into it not recently but you know like developed it yeah well it actually it is actually something that I have recently got into I think I've always been interested in plants and stuff I was a florist for seven years oh wow before I was in horticulture um and I think during the first lockdown at the start of this year, I got really into foraging um, oh, for wild yeah. food. Yeah. Um, and that kind of sparked my whole interest in like horticulture and permaculture and learning all about that. So I felt like, you know, I may as well learn how to grow my own food. It's never been like a hugely career oriented thing. Um, but the more I learn about it, the more I'm like finding out about different kind of exciting fields in horticulture like it's not all just gardens and nurseries um but yeah so I started doing this course uh about halfway through this year um while there was still the hard lockdown uh basically because you know everyone's had all this time um we're in a position we were in a position for a while where at least our you know uh unemployment payments were a bit higher than usual so it was easier to get into study no no longer but you know um so it's been like a really like the vibe is just like my classmates the kind of 20 people that I've been in a class with there everyone is just really doing it for the love of it rather than you know yeah I think the same because we had I think during lockdown um because it was this it was kind of like the spring and we just kind of like yeah we just went on loads of I I mean because because like 
going for a walk like at one point they told you that you could only go for like one walk a day and that was like basically the only that was like basically the highlight of your day was, was going for the one walk a day <laughs> yeah yeah and, yeah um, <laughs> and so basically I just kind of like during that time actually I had it's a horrible thing but I, I had such a great time I just like um one went around my one walk finding loads of insects like <laughs> yeah and you all of a sudden have this time to do that I like I can't agree more like I mean it's been awful but like so many people have said to me like just having that time like having space to just like walk around and observe in ways that you wouldn't usually yeah. feel like working yeah. full time or yeah. going to uni every day um and then you know even just like you know it happened like the lockdown here at least in Melbourne mm. happened over a really long period and so mm. even just like noticing the way our ecosystems change over the seasons and different bugs yeah. appearing at different yeah. times and mm. you know just like it's walking past the same place every single day and then just seeing realizing how dramatically it's changed in the past you know yeah. four months or so um mm. it's been really like it's been invaluable honestly I've loved mm. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah so at the moment like with your course and everything like what what kind of stuff are you studying at the moment like is it sort of to do with agriculture is it like professionally run is it kind of like landscape gardening and stuff like what kind of what kind of things is it just a bit of everything it's a bit of everything so like what we're doing is kind of like a broad like certificate three in horticulture and then um things like agriculture and landscaping are a bit of a different um that's a different department yeah um although you can kind of just like you know upskill yeah on that kind of stuff but like what we're learning about is really like things like integrated weed management practice integrated pest management practice but all with a quite like environmental bent these days and I mean everyone in my class is very um serious about that kind of stuff like you know about ways that we can avoid using pesticides or how can we avoid using herbicides and things like yeah, that. Um, yeah. And then also just learning about plants and their cultures and the ways that different species of pests interact with them. Um, and then something I'm really excited about is the um, bush revegetation um, and indigenous regeneration aspect, um, which is, well, I don't know what that is kind of like, in the UK um I know that you have like some rewilding kind of movements and stuff going but in Australia obviously we have so many invasive species um and a really like delicate ecosystem that we have to protect so um what I'm excited about next year we're going to be learning more about revegetation and yeah how to re-indigenize environments which I think is like obviously such a crucial important thing for any future society especially here I think like in the UK there are quite a lot of rewilding initiatives but I think some of them have kind of like had I suppose mixed mixed results like like for instance yeah. um they've they've introduced around here they've introduced um red kites which is a, like a bird of prey and that's been really successful because they went they went extinct um and it's like the I think now it's like kind of like the, the textbook, the textbook um, 
rewilding like reintroduction thing that's gone really well and now they're like they're like just everywhere but there's also been um there's like proposals to reintroduce there's there's been like a reintroduction of beavers in some areas and that's gone quite well but there's always there's like kind of like a lobby um I don't really want to get into like politics too much but there's kind of like a <laughs> there's there's kind of like a group of people who are very worried that um which is fine they they can have their worries but they're very they're concerned that that this all of this animals might be like leading up to like the reintroduction of things like bears and wolves and and things like that and they well yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm always every every two weeks i get like something popping up on my twitter saying they're reintroducing wolves to scotland finally (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah and yeah, and so, but a lot of a lot of people would would like that, but a lot of people would also yeah. feel like quite 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 freaked out by that by that thought. Um, well, yeah. wolves and bears are a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, and also like some so like also sometimes around here, like again, I don't want to get too much into the into politics and stuff, but like they. That some councils have um, started doing stuff like they've um, set aside like some ground to like plant like wildflowers and what and the but the problem but there is a, a slight problem with it because you know some sort of ecologists have pointed out that they've like in some cases like ripped up the grass that was like naturally there and planted a group of yeah. flowers together that would never appear like in the wild like you know yeah because they get yeah, these yeah, like yeah. packets of seeds and it's like those flowers do not go together and like some of them <laughs> you know you would never get that naturally <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what have you done yeah, like it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the same here like because you people get like you know packets of wild flower seeds from like the u.s and stuff and like you know those those flowers might work really well for um the environment there but like yeah. As we know, different butterflies, different bees. Yeah. They all have different flowers that they prefer, and it's um. And also, it's like you kind of, you kind of need not just flowers, but you need like, um, habitat. You need a good mix of grasses and like weeds and stuff, and like, like even like horrible weeds that you don't want, like nettles and so on. You need you actually need those because yeah, you might not you might think that that's terrible, but but an insect probably won't think it probably won't <laughs> oh yeah i am always saying if you've got nettles in your backyard keep them they're good absolutely they're a sign of good soil you can you can use them you can make a tonic you can drink them you can eat them they're fantastic yeah and yeah. you know yeah the bugs like them <laughs> <laughs> so i mean um yeah like so also i wanted to ask you like what's your what's your like because obviously you, you're doing like a horticulture course and um, a lot of the stuff that is being learned is all to do with like, um, is all to do with like sort of professionally run gardens and that um, and agriculture. Like what, like what is your kind of like opinion about like pesticides and what, what kind of, what is the sort of approach being, being taken in that area? Yeah, well, there are like campaigns to have a few pesticides taken off the list in Victoria at the moment because of the damage that they're doing to native bee populations. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, because within in whole what in horticulture, I mean, like for large scale agriculture, that's when you kind of have to start thinking about pesticides yeah. and stuff yeah. more. But um, because that's not really our field, we are able to like yeah, just strategize ways that like there's no there's no reason on a small scale that you need to use pesticides really in any in any case. And then the whole problem with like large scale pest, like you know, it's a problem with monoculture, isn't it? Like if you have if you have a bunch of the same plants, then that is just providing like like you know, it's providing a habitat for things to run a bit awry. Like you'll mm -hmm. have yeah, if you have yeah. like a huge plantation of uh just kale and you get some brassica aphids, mm -hmm. that's yeah. gonna be a huge problem. Like yeah. well, but um yeah, yeah. Yeah, so but I just like, you know, thinking about how you do large scale monocultures without the use of pesticides is really difficult and it kind of like, you know, makes you think it's gonna have you will have to completely restructure how we provide food. Something that they've done here, um, I don't know, I think after Brexit, I don't know if they, they're still gonna have the money to do it, possibly, but something that they've been doing here for the last few years, they've been like paying farmers to like have a strip of land like down the field that has like completely natural stuff in it. And what they actually, what they found is that like, um because that actually kind of makes it better because what happens is like you know how like a bee or 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 like some kind of predators of, of pests can only fly in yeah you know for a certain number of meters before they've got to stop and all of that what they actually found is like they actually found that doing that they were worried it's going to like create a habitat for pests but what they actually found is it made it more productive because it meant that all the good insects were able to like rather than just like flying halfway across and getting exhausted they were able to fly yeah. to that strip of land they had like a base and like yeah. fly to that strip of land and then just kind of like chill for a while and then just carry on about their pollinating and doing whatever they were doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally having those little pathways for like insects and wildlife is super important um yeah it's something i've been reading about here as well because like I live near a creek and but like close to the city and yeah it's like the area that I live in is a really important wildlife corridor basically so there are and you know we have a lot of protected species around here like a like a certain type of kingfisher that you only get around here there's um there's apparently a single wallaby that lives at the creek in the city oh, wow. like yeah there's there's kang there's kangaroos, obviously. There's always yeah. kangaroos wherever yeah. you have like big parkland, basically. Regardless of how close you get to the well, maybe not in the in the city, but like you know, in the suburbs, you'll have like kangaroos and stuff. But yeah, a single wallaby, some platypuses, and then obviously like all of the tinier bugs and birds and stuff that you don't see as much. But like yeah, providing those little little corridors and like just little patches of preserved land mm. throughout like urban environments is incredibly important yeah and I, so it makes sense that that would work on like a large-scale agriculture yeah yeah thing as well yeah I mean I want to also want to ask you um like obviously like we've talked a bit about um you know like the lockdown and stuff and how that um kind of like impacted blue or like view of nature and stuff but like um did it have like 
obviously I suppose it's just like the, the kind of like exercise restrictions and, and, and things like that did it well actually what like happens with your course like did you have to I guess you have to go online yeah well that was the weird thing like for the first for the first couple of months it was entirely online like yeah. we didn't go like for such a practical <laughs> for such a practical course yeah it was just like like two or three months of just like sitting in zoom meetings learning about chemical restrictions and stuff like that like, <laughs> yeah pretty boring but like at the same time because of the lockdown and stuff like you know I'm always seeing articles popping up being like oh gardening has never been so popular in Melbourne everyone's you know everyone's stuck at home just want to grow shit yeah making something of nothing yeah um and then there was like the big crisis here where Bunnings closed down which is like an Australian hardware garden store that it, apparently our entire culture revolves around and that was <laughs> that got shut down for a while and people were freaking out about their gardening materials and stuff but that's back open we're back, that's good yeah we're back on campus yeah um the campus I'm at is ironically an in, an old infectious disease hospital oh that got shut that got shut down in the 90s <laughs> that's that's convenient yeah Maybe they can just like... which would have <laughs> would have come in handy this year but <laughs> they could just <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um but yeah so we've got some patches of um land there that we're like working on regenerating at the moment identifying all of the animals and insects that we can see there figuring out which plants we want to get rid of and which ones we want to keep and protect and different strategies to implement that that don't use too many herbicides and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's, re it's very good to actually be on campus and, like, concretely learning, you know, right? <laughs> That's good, yeah, because I think, I think, I think so, like, I think now, like, because our, um, situation with covid is completely out of control and they yeah. they've kind of just like tried to like go back to normal and but it's but of course it's just it's just not normal like it's so it's completely out of control um oh. and like and where are you based sorry like <laughs> so i'm so i live in um i live in a little village um outside london um like quite near to a town like called High Wycombe but so we, we actually do I actually do have quite a lot of really nice countryside and stuff like just right up my doorstep like if I want to go and find something I can if I want to go and see a ladybird I can just like yeah go out and find one um yeah yeah so I mean that is something I miss about living in the UK like when I was like living in in Scotland and in greater Manchester just like always places to go rambling yeah it's like at your doorstep it's gorgeous because I because I, I mean because I live like in kind of like a I suppose like the suburb of like a small town like there's lots there is still there is quite a lot of farmland and stuff okay like a lot of it's being developed on and stuff but yeah um yeah like um so you can just you know if I want to go and find some if I want to go and see some insects, I can just instantly go out and find them. That's so good. <laughs> insects on your doorstep. What more could you ask for? Exactly. It's like, it's like wow. Like, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I just, 
so I mean that's 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 quite cool but I mean it just like it kind of helps because I am getting a bit fed up of lockdown now not lockdown yeah. it, it's not it's not even a lockdown they're just they're self-imposed just lockdown yeah yeah it's not it's not even a lot we've just had we've just had a lockdown which like frankly was a bit of a joke um because um and some of the things actually some stuff that's happened recently because like um people what like not so much in the spring but like in like in like recent times because all the parks have been open people have just like been flooding into the parks and so like you look out the the you go to the park and it's all just and usually there's just like loads of grass and now it's just like muddy and everyone's everyone is walking their dog like oh I think I'm gonna walk I think I'm gonna walk and like 50 hundred people have the same idea like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um oh that's yeah, my like, to be. <laughs> um yeah but yeah, like... I mean, yeah I mean the thing that now I think like so now like supposedly the supposedly the so-called lockdown is finished and we're back in like the the kind of like tier restrictions and stuff and um COVID normal <laughs> it's just like they're, they're just trying to pretend that it they're just trying to pretend it doesn't exist <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> jesus you know it's like it's like oh well it's like had had two thousand had like twenty thousand infections yesterday oh well <laughs> Oh my god, I can't, because like Australia, I think, what do, I don't know where our numbers are at the moment, I think we have like about 40 active yeah. cases in the in the country now, <laughs> but you know, after well, months and good, months yeah. of lockdown, but it was worth it, you know, it was yeah. definitely worth yeah. it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, it's scary. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 it's uh, fine, um, yeah, oh. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to um to anyway, the other thing I wanted to ask you is um so like at the start of 2020 um there was a lot of of international coverage of um apologies if in advance if you probably get asked this a lot on other like non Australian based podcasts but um but, there was lots of fires in in australia and what actually yeah what kind of effect did it it have on like sort of animals and plants and stuff well i because like the bushfires like the 2019-2020 bushfires were massive obviously but it's been a recurring thing since i was a teenager i think must have been like 15 when they're like yeah, but the big Black Saturday bushfires. Um, but yeah, it's just been like, because like, yeah, you see like 2019, 2020 bushfires, but it's been like literally recurring every single summer in areas where there have been no bushfires or aren't supposed to be bushfires. Like uh, a few years ago, it was like the Otway Ranges caught fire, which is like kind of temperate, mm-hmm. rainforesty type area um, on the southern coast of Victoria um which just is not the kind of environment that is supposed to catch fire a lot of a lot of environments in Australia are but like that hadn't caught fire and it hadn't caught fire in like a hundred years before then and you know we have a lot of like important wildlife like bowerbirds koalas mm. you know all of these animals um like koalas are like on the verge of extinction now 
I think like in two, I think I just read that in 2019, 2020, we lost 10 million hectares of forest. That's horrific. Um, which is, it was bigger than the Amazon fires, bigger than the California fires. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's absolutely horrific. So, I mean, like there are different like discussions and plans about this. Obviously, like, yeah, you can't really calculate the environmental destruction it would have done just millions of dead animals like millions of dead birds all of this habitat um so at the moment the um so like the strategies are involving like firstly like identifying and protecting bits of land that haven't been destroyed just patches of forest that remain um because they can provide havens for wildlife um trying to travel around um but then also there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, controlled mm. burning. Because um, obviously Australia is, you know, climate change or not, Australia is a very hot yeah. continent yeah. Yeah. and it's very dry. And a lot, of our, a lot of our native species, you know, particularly things in the, from the Myrtaceae family, like eucalypts and stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh, from the Protaceae family, like all our, grevilleas and acacias and stuff like that um mm. like they require fire yeah. to germinate yeah. um and fire is fire is an important part of our landscape and ecosystem um yeah. but i mean one of the problems has been that the you know traditional custodians of this land our um first nations people have had like controlled fire controlled fire practices and burning practices implemented for thousands and thousands and thousands of years before mm. this and that because that has kind of stopped for 200 years it means that the um environment is basically like incredibly neglected and it's just helping these fires spread more so like um i know that uh in central victoria the jajarang people have at the start of this year begin begun um implementing controlled burning um or they call it cool burning um which hasn't been done for 200 years but basically the idea is like you burn off all the spin effects like the dead spin effects on the ground and like you know smaller shrubs and stuff leave the tree canopies and that just kind of allows fresh grass to regrow um and you know things like bush tomatoes and stuff like to all regenerate and then you have like fresher growth fires don't spread as quickly mm. you know it's you know um but it's just it just remains to be seen if yeah you know the government's going to allow that to happen mm. and put because like they are there is they're supposed to they're supposed to do like aerial burning like every year which they just haven't which it, it's not as good as the like controlled burning um that our indigenous people do because um that's just you know it's 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 labor intensive. It's literally walking around, spreading fire and keeping an eye on it, um, you know, in the early morning when it can't get out of control. So obviously like the government doesn't want to do that. So, but they're supposed to be doing like aerial burning, but they haven't been doing that to the scale that they're supposed to do either. Um, so yeah. Are they supposed to like, they're, yeah, cause they're supposed to burn like controlled areas yeah. to like allow it to germinate and then the fire doesn't spread. Yeah. Like, yeah yeah um yeah I, I i read about that and like does it and i mean what how do you like how do you kind of like 
is there any sort of discussion on like how to plan for like the the next time either it either it gets out of control again or like to stop it getting out of control like is that See, something that they've covered in I mean it's oh in at my school we this is not something that we've talked about um I mean we we've talked about like you know how certain plants require fire for germination and done some little um tricks of like getting acacia seeds and adding you know burning them and adding liquid smoke and germinating them and stuff like that yeah um but uh yeah pretty interesting so suppose it just kind of like it it, there must be something around it that melts and then the seed can come out yeah yeah I I actually am not sure it's like you yeah I don't understand and then I think like you have to (laughs) soak some of them like just all this crazy stuff um and then like okay I tweeted, like, I tweeted about this the other, this is something fun I learned, like, stringy bark, <laughs> stringy bark eucalyptus trees um, are these big eucalypts that we get, and they have this bark that just, like, falls off, like, just, and hangs off all the leaves, and I, re- I learned recently that the reason for that is to help the trees catch fire, um, so that oh, they can burn down and grow new growth and that's, regerminate. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah really cool, right? That is really, <laughs> that is, that is really interesting. I, I, I read about, I read about ages ago. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is true, but I read that there was like, they thought that there was like some problem because things were catching a fire for no reason, and they realized that there was a hawk that was picking up like Oh my god! I yeah yeah I saw that. Like, I saw that because like um like to like get all the get all the um mice and stuff. Yeah. Like... Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading that. Yeah. Like so like the birds here have their own little controlled burning techniques as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because that was um that was like a part of like indigenous controlled burning and stuff was also just to um, you know, for hunting purposes and stuff. But I think like Obviously, like any like discussions of how we're going to manage these in the future, need to center and involve indigenous elders because yeah. they've been managing yeah, this environment yeah. for thousands and thousands of years completely perfectly and harmoniously. Um, and you know, when colonization happened to stop that, that's mm. not you know that's not helped. <laughs> plus, plus global warming. No. Um, so things things are gonna have mm. to change. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So I mean, I was actually looking back um, over like some of the other interviews that I've done and like podcast episodes that I put out because I I remember like writing in the questions like have there are there any rules about biological controls in Australia and I actually realised that. I actually recorded an episode and I talked about what some of the rules were. Oh, really? <laughs> um, just, Maybe you can tell yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just like completely forgot. But yeah, so basically in the UK and I think probably in Australia as well, um, I don't know if you have this particular um, invasive species, but we've got a, a harlequin uh, ladybug. The Harlequin Lady Bird, yeah. Um, it's, you know, um, Harmonia axiridis, which was like introduced to, I think it was originally introduced to um, Belgium and like d- different parts of Europe to like kill pests and so on. 
but then they uh, yeah. kind of like rapidly realized that it was that it was very good at killing, um, killing other things as well yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> they're like Apparently, they're like one of the most voracious insect predators in the world. Like this little ladybug, it's crazy. <laughs> they, they, so, um, yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, so like, sorry, what were you gonna say? Well, um, I was just looking into it. Like, I don't think that we've had harlequin ladybug outbreaks here, but it's something that the government is aware of and trying to strategize around yeah it's inevitable introduction um but yeah because like obviously australia has a long history of biological controls um you know for pests and for invasive plants and stuff like i was reading recently um about like a successful uh biological control that was introduced in the 1920s which was like i think it's a moth called a cactoblasis or something. And that was introduced because it basically just eats prickly pears. Yeah. And we had okay. like a massive prickly pear invasion, um, which was like killing sheep and, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, and so that, that the larvae of that moth like feed on prickly pears exclusively. And that almost eradicated prickly pears from entire regions of Queensland quite successfully. Um, but yeah, obviously, and then there are like less successful examples such as the cane toad problem. I don't know if you know about that. I, I was, I, I know something about the cane toad. Wasn't it introduced to kill, I can't remember what it was supposed to kill, but it, again, it ended up killing a lot of things. Yeah. I think it was like locusts. Was it locusts? I should know this. I don't know. I'm guessing like locusts or something, but yeah, now like there's just cane toads bloody everywhere in Queensland. No one knows what to do about it. <laughs> it's like that um, what's that? That children's that children's poem about the lady that swallowed a fly. Oh yeah, the old lady that swallowed a fly. <laughs> that's a really that's actually a really really good analogy because it's like it just you know oh well I you know oh you know like just you know you just eat something something happens that's yeah. so small and then and then it just like ends up killing everyone <laughs> yeah yeah who would have thought a toad could reap such havoc exactly but yeah because like obviously it's just like you it's a really delicate risky thing like you can't you can't just invent an ecosystem <laughs> like you no, no. <laughs> um yeah i mean but, like, yeah so i mean like, like yeah, like, I think with the Harlequin ladybird, like, they were originally introduced, like, to Belgium to, like, kill pests and stuff, which they did, and everyone thought it was great, and then they, then they realised that, then they realised that a lot of the, like, native um, populations of, um, of ladybirds were, like, plummeting, and there were suddenly a lot yeah. of Harlequin ladybirds, and they were, like, yeah. oh, maybe, maybe doing, maybe, like, this fantastic fantastically voracious ladybird like maybe maybe it wasn't such a good idea (laughs) (laughs) and I mean that's that's so sad because like um I'm sure like you would we were going to talk about this anyway but there's so many ladybugs um that aren't the harlequin ladybug that are also good predators exactly exist in the backyard and 
by introducing, you know, even here, like you can buy in ladybugs and stuff. Like you can yeah. buy a box of ladybugs online and put them in yeah. your garden to eat aphids and stuff. But like, you know, the thing is, if if they if there's a food source for the ladybugs, they'll come. Like that's the that's how it works. You know what I mean? <laughs> like um, but yeah, like those harlequin ladybugs eating all the nice spotted ladybugs that mm. like to eat out aphids and stuff. Um. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm hoping that they don't come here. I'm hoping that we can just, like... I, 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 hope, I also hope that they don't come. I think the other issue with it is, <laughs> is like, um, is, like, the problem is that because they're so good at eating aphids, there's, like, no aphids left for all of the other ladybirds. So the other ladybirds get there and yeah. find that they're... And find that, one, they might be eaten, and, two, there's, there's no food, which... <laughs> yeah <laughs> that sucks because like yeah the philosophy like our philosophy at school is basically like a garden is full of bugs and it should be yeah Do you know what i mean like yeah and there are ways to there are ways to make it work like yeah you know if you're um got a lot of aphids you can plant some some um you know fennel or parsley or coriander and attract some predatory wasps yeah to deal with it and then they'll just hang around until like their job's done and then they'll f off like it's yeah yeah you exactly just, you can set it up <laughs> yeah there's no there's no need to like import a uh, a physically voracious predator <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah no i definitely agree with that um yeah so yeah, so I was just wondering, like, so um, do you have any sort of favourite plants? Um... <laughs> Cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, okay, my favourite backyard plant at the moment is borage, I'm going to say. Okay. Like, which yeah. is, you know, it's not, it's not indigenous, it's not, you know, but it is good for the bees. Um, and look, I just like it because it grows so quickly. You can eat the leaves and they're delicious and they smell like cucumber and then they just get these like beautiful little blue flowers which oh are yeah friendly pests to your garden yeah yeah i know they yeah. make your drinks look pretty yeah no i think i know that like what about you what's your favorite plant i'm not sure actually um possibly uh just trying to think um we've got like a lot of like sage and like um thyme and stuff in the garden um i think i suppose like we get something similar like um forget-me-nots which also have like very like little blue flowers and and stuff um i like yeah they're in the same family as borage yeah. actually yeah closely related i yeah. also like kind of like i guess um like honeysuckle and and things like that you just like you just walk past and smell it and it smells really nice and yeah 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 totally any anything fragrant i j'adore i've got some tomatoes growing in my backyard at the moment and like the smell of just we had tomatoes like in the the smell of tomato plants is amazing yeah we really? had tomatoes last you year can grow, this grow summer tomatoes? yeah 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 we grew them in the summer yeah oh that's amazing i was like when i was in the uk i was like thinking about growing tomatoes but my boyfriend at the time was just like no not gonna happen we can't grow tomatoes here but yeah you, you know, can grow but i guess that was in the north probably slightly different possibly slightly different 
Um, but, but like what, what actually happened, we ended up, um, I ended up buying some tomato plants over lockdown. And then what happened is, is that they actually canceled my order. Um, and it took like six weeks to arrive. They canceled my order and said it's cancelled like like we're sorry like um like contact us uh, like contact us for a refund and all this and then and then like a few weeks later they arrived and then there was think there was like an extra one that I had and you got the refund I don't I don't can't remember I can't really remember actually like <laughs> like and they also they also gave me an extra one that I hadn't actually ordered <laughs> Oh, awesome. Yeah. What was it? Yeah, it was just like, yeah, it was, it was just like, well, okay. But like in, to- God, in total, it just kind of like, it took like sort of six to eight weeks to arrive. And I just kind of like given up hope that, that I just thought this is not going to happen. <laughs> and and it said that my, oh it my said God. that my, it said, said that it said that my order was just cancelled and they arrived anyway. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know I love tomatoes. Like we ha- actually had some really mm. nice tomatoes out of it. Um, so I mean, are you growing any particular kind? So we've so like the year before last, we grew like um, beef tomatoes, and this year we grew like cherry tomatoes. Nice, yeah, that's really cool. Gorgeous. I got some beef tomatoes in my garden, which. I've been calling family heirloom tomatoes because, like, they've been in my family. They're from Italy. They've been in my family since the 50s. Oh, amazing. But I'm pretty sure they're just beefsteak tomatoes. But, you know, I'm I'm saying that they're a special family heirloom tomato now. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. So, like, do you have any favourite insects? Favourite what, sorry? Sorry, you cut out for a second. My internet has been misbehaving. Um, do you have any favourite insects or or not? Look, I just love butterflies. <laughs> That's just all butterflies. Um, not all of the moths, obviously. But, um, yeah, like, look, I'm not an insect expert. I do love the European praying mantis a lot. Um, my parents had, like... A Japanese maple tree um, in their house, and just every I remember, like every time you like look closely on it, you'd see a little camouflage praying mantis there. And they're also a good backyard bug in terms of like pest control and stuff. Um, and they just look very cool, like, and have some pretty cool habits. But yeah, I, I love butterflies. Like when I was like at the zoo here, there's like a butterfly. Well, I'm sure there's like butterfly enclosures at all the zoos, but yeah. I remember, like, I used to go when I was a kid. It's, like, really humid mm-hmm. and hot in there and just, like, collect the dead butterflies that I found on the ground and put them in a book. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I used to love, I used to love, like... <laughs> Which I think is illegal, but... <laughs> I used to love going to, like, the um, butterfly house, like, when I was a kid because it's so humid and they're just flying around and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd always make sure to wear, like, bright colours so that they came and sat on me. Like, apparently that's a thing. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so what about you? What's your, obviously, ladybug. What's your favourite ladybug, though? Um, 
so I think that poss- quite possibly um, my favourite ladybug or ladybird, um, I suppose it's probably, it's probably this, no, it's probably the 16 spot actually now, because, um, so the 16 spot is like a ladybird that you wouldn't really normally notice, um, but it's very small, it's like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's so tiny, and in, you know, it kind of looks, it very, it has like a very, like, it's not brightly coloured at all, it's kind of like a beige colour, um, but in the winter they form, they, because, because basically they, they hibernate on, on trees and they, on sort of fence posts and stuff, and I have found, like, so many of them and they all like they form like these huge kind of like congregations on the tree and so there can be like thousands and stuff and a lot of people and a lot of people have like never seen it and also like you know I've taken photos yeah. of these ladybirds and like if you actually look closely like in the photo like there's all sorts of like they've got all you know they they're kind of like all mostly kind of look exactly the same but every so often you get like one with stripes or you get like a black one or you get oh that's so cool yeah or you get one with you know they've usually got this particular pattern with some of the joined up spots and um, but um but they um but yeah I mean I'll, I'll send you a picture actually like on on Twitter after we've had the chat but like yeah they actually I really want to see this. look in the photo and it just looked, and it's just like, oh, like a whole lot of ladybirds. Like maybe how many ladybirds? Oh, like let's let's look in, and then actually let's uh, let's um, and you see that actually a lot of them look really amazing, like look really cool and different and stuff. Um, yeah, the other- that's the cool thing about ladybirds. They're, they're, there's a lot of variation, isn't there? Like even yeah, within species, there really is. And like the other interesting thing that they found out about them, so they used to believe that they only ate um like fungi um on the on the tree um and because they yes they used to believe that they only ate fungi and then they what they did is they looked they kind of observed these uh 16 spots and they discovered and they discovered that they actually ate all kinds of they ate all kinds of stuff like aphids um this tiny and they thought well oh well like how did this happen like we thought that this is a solely fun fungi eating ladybird but it, but it's not <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah that's an all that's a back backyard all-rounder yeah i love it i know and if that's so cool like you can literally there are ladybirds that will just come if you've got like powdery mildew infecting some of your plants and stuff get some 16 spots in to come eat it all up exactly take care of some of the aphids while they're there exactly that's that's (laughs) That's that's very cool that thing yeah i mean what kind of ladybird actually so what you're gonna say well well i was also just like i just remembered this like really crazy this is not even related to ladybugs but i saw a really crazy insect at school Mm. the other day um in the greenhouse where they keep like the more tropical 
species and stuff. And it basically it was the, this scale insect that oh. had mm. kind of infected the leaves of a umbrella plant or something. And it looked like literal pink limpets. Like, you know, limpets, like the little shells that stuck onto. Yeah. Yeah, they were yeah. like these gorgeous little star-shaped bright pink patterned limpets just all over this leaf and it was like one of, it was kind of disgusting but it was one of the most gorgeous things we weren't able to identify it like it was I hadn't seen it before but it was amazing like <laughs> <laughs> like land shells yeah I think scale insects are they 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 are like one of the craziest insects actually I mean we've had a lot of problems with them in our garden but they are they are one of the craziest insects because they actually the I think it's I I think it's the female that attaches itself to a leaf and then just like kind of like forms a mm-hmm. protective layer and it just like stays there like forever. So crazy. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of just scrape them off, like. <laughs> but actually, there was yeah, they're, they're so weird. Yeah, yeah. There is a ladybird. There is a. There are ladybirds for specifically eating scale insects. Um, like really. Yeah. Um, there are. There's like the kidney spot. Um, and the pine ladybird. Um, and I think the seven spot also eats them. What do they do? Do they kind of just like bite a little hole in the shell and suck the bug out, or do they eat through the whole thing? Like, I I actually don't know. I think they just eat it, um, but maybe maybe they don't. Yeah. I... So what kind of ladybirds? Because I um, feel like. I... Sorry. Oh no! I was just saying because like I feel like I've seen like you know on leaves like where the you can see the remnants of the scale insect, i.e. just the Hmm. outer layer left, and it looks like it's been hollowed out. But that's probably also just because they die and disintegrate. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the ladybugs I like, as a gardener, Hmm. um, obviously, you know, you've got the mealybug ladybug here, um, which is a common Australian back... Well, it's not Australian, but you find it here, um, which will eat up all the mealybugs that are infesting your crops or your little veggie garden. Um, and then obviously just the common spotted ladybug. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Another good all-rounder. Yeah. No, you guys. <laughs> no, no, I was just asking, I was just wondering, like, have you got any sort of funny plant stories or funny ladybird stories or... I don't <laughs> funny plant stories. I mean, one of my funny plant stories is that nettles have just grown absolutely everywhere in all of my herb and veggie patches, and every time yeah. I have to go pick anything, I just get stings all over my hands. Oh no! Uh, we I saw recently one of my classmates managed to film the moment um, where. So, you know, there are those parasitic wasps that lay their eggs in aphids. And my classmate managed to capture the moment where the larvae broke out of the aphid um, and split it in half in a very detailed video, which was really a sight to behold. 
apparently um witnessing that the the story goes witnessing that is what made charles darwin an atheist <laughs> just the ungodliness of it <laughs> yeah oh so that was pretty exciting yeah <laughs> that that's especially an atheist i mean like something so something like so small um there's like a wasp i know there's like a wasp that that like for everything i suppose yeah <laughs> There's a wasp for everything. Well, because I used to like have such a bad opinion on wasps. I used to be like, what is their point? Like, they just kill bees. And like, I had no idea that there were just like thousands and thousands of like amazing little wasp species yeah. like, everywhere. Yeah. Like, so cool. I know. And now I'm pro wasp. Yeah. I mean, I used to, I used to really dislike wasps, um, especially especially because you know i was like stung a few times like when i was a kid and that wasn't very nice but i kind of i sort of say like i kind of say like i've learned to appreciate wasps i wouldn't say that i particularly like them still but i've kind of learned to uh... i don't love them (laughs) (laughs) yeah wasps things are so nasty i got stung like in the webbing in between my fingers once when i was a kid and I couldn't move my finger for five days. Like it was oh just swollen and stuff. There was awful, yeah. absolutely yeah. awful. Um, but I mean, nah, bug stories, funny bug stories. Um, like I just like my main concern, honestly, in Australia in summer is getting my daddy long legs spider populations up to start killing the spiders that I don't want around here. <laughs> Oh yeah, because in Aus- in Australia you've got a lot of um, spiders that you probably don't really want to want to be around. Um, yeah, like quite undesirable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm doing my a bit of integrated pest management in my indoors now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't really I don't really mind spiders because I think a, a lot of the time like we get a lot of flies like coming into the house and obviously like spiders just kind of deal with those but um yeah yeah i mean your spiders to be fair not not as bad (laughs) i think like i think the main concern with our spiders is like an aesthetic concern you know if they if there's like a a giant web like kind of like on the window um or like just yeah on the ceiling or something it's not doesn't really look so good it's like yeah sorry spider yeah Yeah. i've got like so there oh i just realized that there's actually a cabbage white butterfly in my kitchen right now oh okay get rid of that yeah i don't know how it got inside interesting (laughs) it's just sitting on the wall (laughs) um yeah I mean, yeah, I like to cultivate certain spiders in the home and not others. You know, daddy long legs are good. They are small. They can't hurt you, but they will kill other things. And then we've also got huntsman spiders, which okay. are like, yeah. they're like the really scary looking spiders. They're like, you know, they could be like palm sized and like they're big hairy brown spiders, but they're actually really gorgeous and yeah. friendly. And they, again, like they don't even make webs. They just like live. You'll just have one just like on your ceiling for a couple of weeks and then it disappears somewhere. They're pretty nice. Yeah. Oh. 
but white like I just want my house to be clear of white tail spiders that's my main concern because they like are disgusting and bite and live in linen and are they like stuff. are they like one of the not, dangerous ones? not desirable are they are they one of the dangerous well, ones that you can get yeah they're like they're like they're considered one of the dangerous well they're like i don't think they are actually that dangerous like i think it's i don't think anyone dies of white tail bites that the more dangerous spider that we get here is the redback spider um which is a kind of uh widow oh yeah is that the, the species like yeah but they they can be deadly like their thing is like most people who have died of like redback bites have they they sit under toilet seats and like bite people's yeah so that's but then the white tail is just like this quite big like horrible looking um like predator spider which like the, they're not that poisonous but i think the thing is because they eat a lot of stuff mm -hmm. if they bite you it's likely that you can get like nasty infections and stuff Ooh, basically yeah. so like everyone responds to their bites slightly different depending on like if you're allergic or yeah. what the spider's been up to like yeah. they're just they're just not nice <laughs> no, no that's that does not sound very particularly pleasant really um, yeah no and like to live in like folded up sheets and you'll just like you know in summer occasionally see one like scatter across oh. your bed and, oh no, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah so i just wondered like basically like how do you kind of like see the whole um because i mean obviously you've said that um the your horticulture course is very is quite is coming from a perspective of like being quite pro environment and stuff like how do you kind of see yeah. um like the whole kind of i suppose nature of horticulture changing or like in the next few years do you think it's going to continue to to develop like that or i really like i think that like well it's it's growing in popularity just in general, like people getting more interested in growing their own food and setting up little urban veggie patches or like wild patches and stuff. So I think that like, like the directions I can see it going in are like, yeah, just like, I think a lot of people are going to, uh, the other thing is like this course uh, is free. Oh, so oh really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So our state labor government um, has made certain TAFE courses free which they think are valuable to the economy or whatever. And horticulture is one of them. So, I mean, there is a lot of like, there are a lot of different directions. Um, like I didn't even realize like, so like, you know, there are obviously people um, like there are more and more kind of big programs at the moment where like, you know, companies are, you know, being forced to plant trees for carbon offsets and stuff like that. So like, I'm assuming that like, that industry is going to develop um, in a kind of more complicated way rather than just like, you know, going to a patch plant and planting, like hopefully it can be a little bit more like integrated. Um, and then like, yeah, I think that uh, horticulturalists going into indigenous revegetation is like really hopefully going to be the kind of like main trajectory um, yeah. in Victoria at least because it's, it's super important. Um, and I mean, like a lot of all of my classmates, like that's what 
that's what people are interested in, yeah. basically, yeah. and that's what people want to do, um, which I think is really great. And then there's all there's also like, you know, like it, it's becoming more of a thing to have like school veggie gardens and stuff, yeah, yeah, you know, at primary schools and high schools. Like, you know, I can see that becoming more of a thing, and like more gardeners going into teaching children how to grow food to eat and about the environment and about insects and stuff. I mean, I didn't even realize, like, for a TAFE course, you know, like, which is, like, trade schools, like, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things you can do. Like, I had a teacher, um, one of my favorite teachers, he was, <laughs> I saw him on TV because he actually used to work for Melbourne Zoo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, and there's, like, actually, you know, like, obviously we will have criticisms of zoos, et cetera, yeah, but... Yeah. There's actually some interesting stuff happening there. Like they're trying to create a completely self-sustaining system because obviously they have a lot of gardens there, a lot of plants, a lot of animal waste, vegetable waste, all of this. And basically they have um, set up a system where everything, all the waste goes into this giant hot composter, Mm. which is like this huge thing and it like, chops up all the waste and heats it to like a certain temperature that like it kills a lot of microbes but not too many yeah um and basically like using that in the garden and that's like yeah that's cool like if if there can just be like more initiatives like that more places becoming fully self-sustaining yeah obviously like obviously it's a it's a long way away but then another thing he was doing was so we have like a lima enclosure Mm. at the zoo there and uh it's like an open enclosure so like people can walk in and the lemurs are just running around everywhere and like yeah. it's pretty cool but he was working with zoologists to design a habitat for lemurs you know what i mean yeah. like yeah, yeah yeah you know that's really that's really cool like i had no idea like that you could go such interesting places with gardening like literally like had to you know sitting down with scientists being like okay so this is the normal habitat of the lemur this is what they require. This is, and you know, it's not just a habitat. It's also what they eat, like, and kind of implementing that and observing and like figuring yeah. out, like, like that's just yeah. so interesting yeah. to me. I think really like exciting. So there's like, yeah, I think like there's definitely like here as well. There's like more of a trend for like natural gardening. Like there's now like a friend of mine is like involved in like some campaign called let the leaves fall which basically means like don't like just tidy away the the leaves like that that fall off yeah like just either like that's how we get soil we need it (laughs) yeah like either just like let them like either let them stay there or like if it's a lawn or something and like you're worried about the grass just like put them on the flower beds don't like just yeah because you get like people who do like the just like leaf leaf blowers and, and things are like not a yeah. good idea because sometimes and like even today for example I I went for a walk in in the woods and yeah um I'll just see if I can actually show you um so uh so for example um Oh, I saw a very, saw an interesting spider and stuff, but like, um, yeah, so I don't know if you can like see 
this, but there's my hand. Oh. Like, can you see it? Wait, inside the leaf? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a ladybird. Oh. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a there's a species of spider here that um, are quite scary looking spider actually. But like they do the same. They um, they'll pick a curled up dead leaf and then suspend it in the middle of their web, and that's their little house. Oh yeah, I've seen that as well, and it's just like, yeah, like don't don't tidy the leaves away because the insects basically need them for the habitat and spiders and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like that that constitutes the like that's that's considered the top layer of soil. Yeah. It's just yeah. the Yeah. It's and it's important. Well and that's the other thing, like people don't realise like green waste in general is a huge environmental problem because yeah. it's not all getting composted. Most of it gets burnt. Um and then you have to like soil degradation is also a huge problem. Mm. You have to think like when these leaves fall off the tree, if you just like they're you know that those nutrients like the you know the humus that develops mm. after it degrades after a really long time that's what makes soil and that's the source of life yeah. for everything yeah. so yeah. like yeah basically you just got to try and like put it back yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly like like i'm sure that a lot of green waste can probably just like if you don't have space for it in your garden you could just like give it to someone else that might that might want it rather than just like sending it to be totally dumped somewhere um yeah 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 or compost it yeah yeah so do you have any sort of um like tips for anyone wanting to improve their garden or like make it more habitable for ladybirds or like the good kind of spiders or or just anything well, one of, one of my kind of, like, practices at the moment that I enjoy is, like, I am just collecting seeds from around my local area mm. and then planting them because yeah. that just makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, um, definitely, yeah. means that the, the bugs that are already here um, are going to have another place to come and I know that these are flowers that they already like. Yeah. It increases chances of pollination, which is important. Mm. Um but yeah, and also just like it's fun because like if you go around collecting seeds for people's front yard, if the seed has ripened, then it's time to plant it. So it's just like a, you know, a little nice like self-sustaining thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Down the street, like yeah, find some calendula seeds and just chuck them straight in your garden. And you, yeah, yeah. Building a little habitat that that works with the environment around you, yeah. and it's free. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like it's. It's just something that you that any the like anyone can do. Like it doesn't necessarily exactly. require like any particular skill or or, or anything. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. And it's and it's fun and it's interesting. Like all of the gardeners that I've met who are like seventy years old and been doing this for like forty years or whatever, they still love it. They still get excited. Like yeah. when they see a new bug or like you know when their seedlings come up. And also it's just like a, it's just something that you can share so yeah. easily. Yeah. Like, you know, so many plants will grow off cuttings. Like, you know, you can just like, it's, it's never ending. Like, yeah, it's, it's unlimited. You oh, can just yeah. pass it around. And also like, especially in terms of food, 
like you can get like apple trees or you can make you can grow like tomatoes and you herbs yeah. and all sorts of things like it's just incredible yeah yeah like one of my favorite things to grow is at the moment I'm growing chicory because I mean it's fantastic because you can eat the leaves like pick the leaves as it grows and put them in your salad or cook them or whatever and then they have this beautiful blue flower when it, when it comes to flowering season um which again like you know for bees and stuff and then when it's done you can like dig it up and eat the roots and make coffee out oh that's amazing what more could you want and it it's conditioning the soil at the same time yeah yeah so like we had a so we've got like a sage plant and um early and we were and like sort of over the summer we were using the leaves a lot to make um like for food uh, like basically to season things and and all of that yeah like an incredible thing that happened is a um seven spot which is probably like our most common ladybird laid like about 30 eggs on the stage and most of them most of them survive like at least to adulthood like I did find a few dead ones um which was quite sad but like the the vast majority of them survived because the sage plant was just like absolutely full of aphids and that was actually just really incredible like to see that oh that's so cool so do you think like the the ladybug knew when she laid the eggs there that there'd be just like heaps of food yeah she was like okay, i think she knew i think oh, she that's... knew that it would be a good place and the weather oh that's so cool. the weather was really nice so they all kind of like matured and stuff like in like a few weeks yeah yeah so that was really nice oh that's beautiful yeah i've got um i've got like a lot of little hoverflies in my backyard oh i love hoverflies yeah 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 very cool i thought they were tiny wasps at first because like there are those ones that are like i don't know if you know them they're like got little they're actually so cute like just perfect little yellow and black stripes on their abdomen love them yeah yeah oh wow so is there like anything else you want to talk about or or not Not really. I think we've covered everything. <laughs> we have, yeah. I think we've had like a yeah. conversation. Yeah, that was really good. Yay. Yay. And I haven't run out of storage space, so that's good. No, nor have I. That's yeah. very positive. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to go over or ask or talk about? Um, I can't think. I can't really think of anything at the moment. It's like it's like one o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> oh sh- yeah <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for waiting up for me oh my god no no it's, it's i'm really bad. it's absolutely fine it was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh this was like such a good i'm so happy to be on a podcast about bugs like this is the nicest wholesome thing i've done in ages <laughs> when the internet delivers on wholesomeness i love that so shall I uh, shall I stop recording now or or stop recording? Yep. All right. Okay. Let's go.